And thank you for tuning in for the Savvy Millennial Podcast. We're a community dedicated to ambitious and successful millennials. And today with us, we have Josh Adamson. He's a Nike Master Trainer of Canada. He's a gym owner, professional coach, and author and creator in a health and wellness community. And with that, please welcome Josh. Hi, Josh. How are you? What's going on? Doing real good. Perfect. Perfect. Good to hear. Thank you for coming on and uh, being here with us today. I know you're super busy. Not to waste any time, let's jump in right into it. Can you tell me and our listeners more about yourself, your background, your story, and how you ended up here? How long have we got? That's a long story. (laughs) We've got as long as you want, and we can always uh, cut it and make it two episodes. Yeah, my name's Josh, as you said. Josh Adams. I'm originally from Australia. I was born and raised in Australia. I was there till I was 21. And then I just decided I want to kind of get out and like experience the world just because I was working as a personal trainer. Uh, I just got out of college and was working as a personal trainer in Australia for about a year. And when I was 20, I just decided I wanted to experience the world. And I kind of had enough of working 15 hour days in the gym. And I kind of didn't need to be young and just to travel. So I decided I wanted to move to Canada and start snowboarding and learn how to snowboard because I've never seen snow in my life. And anyway, six months down the track, I ended up moving to Canada. I lived in Whistler as every other Australian basically does and uh, ran out of money real quick. Was there one season and moved to Toronto because I was dirt broke. I literally had no money to my name when I got off the plane. I didn't have a credit card or nothing. Like I had $364 coming off the plane to Toronto, like yeah, slept in a hostel for about three weeks, uh, had no job, no friends, no place to stay. And kind of like, you know, here we are 13 years later or so and uh, kind of worked my way up the chains from in a hostel on Church Street to where I am now. I love the story. Thank you for sharing with us. Now, when you landed in Toronto with only... what did you do? Like, how did you pivot? What did you do with your time, with the energy and uh, with the money that you had? Week before I was in Whistler and I was just Googling, you know, I knew I I, I could do really well as a trainer. I've worked in gyms and I know what to do in that profession and how to, you know, make money. And I started Googling, like on Google, like where the most amount of gyms were in Canada. And Toronto ended up coming up because Good Life Fitness had like you know hundreds of gyms on the east coast of uh, you know Canada and Toronto specifically was the big market. So then I googled like what's the most prestigious Good Life Fitness. I'd never heard of this company before in my life. And Union Station popped up. The Union Station Good Life back in the day was a premium Good Life. So when I was in Whistler, I called up, I asked to speak to the fitness manager, and I was like, "Hey, my name's Josh. I live in Whistler." I'm an awesome personal trainer. Can you give me a job? I'll be there in a week. After like years later, she's like, I remember you called and you were just like so cocky and like, just like, yeah, I'm going to be there in a week and I'm going to crush sales and like all this sort of stuff. And literally a week later, you showed up because I, I got off the plane and all I knew is like I needed to go to like Good Life at Union Station. I didn't even know what any of that meant. I'd never been to Toronto before in my life. But I got off the plane and I had nowhere to stay. I had so I didn't have a visa. I didn't have a credit card. So I was at the airport and I was just calling hostels out of a phone book. And I was like, have you got any beds? And no hostels had any beds but this one on Church Street. 
They're like, we do. It was 10 p.m. at night time. So I caught a bus down to outside the Royal York and walked to the hostel and then, you know, stayed there. The next day I woke up, I figured out where the good life at Union Station was and just showed up and asked to speak to Vita, who was the manager at the time. And I was like, hey, I'm that Australian guy I was speaking to last week. And she's like, oh, I thought you weren't going to show up. I thought you were just some crazy guy. And I'm like, I am crazy. Can I have a job? (laughs) And then literally, I just started working like insane hours and just crushing all the highest sales within like Canada, basically. Amazing. First of all, how did you get the confidence to be at 20 years old calling and saying, hey, I'm going to do well. I'm that guy you need. I'm showing up. Get me the job. And B, how did you crush the sales? Like, What was the strategy for a lot of people who either trying to switch and find a new job? How do they get that opportunity? And then how do they crush it? So the confidence of being a personal trainer, like back when I was 20, I can tell you right now, I wasn't a very confident human at all. Like when it came to like confidence with like getting a girlfriend, I didn't know how to make friends. I never made friends in life, like, like in a new city. Like I was very, very, very shy, like as a human in like creating relationships with people. But in terms of my career, that was the only thing I had confidence in at all, like in myself, because I remember I went to college and they were like, we can teach you how to earn six figures as a personal trainer within a year. And they just basically broke it down. Like how much you need to charge an hour, how many clients do you need to have a week? And then you need to stick to those numbers every week and you'll make six figures. So I had already done that. As a teenager, 19, I made over six figures as a trainer and within a year. And I was like, okay, I know how to do this. I'm confident. I know I can can go anywhere and I can crush that because I know the system. I know I need X amount of clients. I need to charge this amount and I need to hit those hours every week, every month for a year. So I just knew. I knew the system of how to do that. So that's why I was like super confident. So I literally just went into the gym and you know what I needed to do. I went into the gym. So basically at this gym, at this point in time, the most amount of sales that they had done that any trainer had done at this gym was $4,500 within a month of personal training sales. Like within Good Life, they have monthly quotas, like how much you have to sell. And the most amount that this gym had done, like one person alone within 30 days was $4,500. Within three weeks, I had sold $35,000 worth of training. Whoa. Okay. So then next question, how did you do it? What was your secret? You're a new person. You don't have any network. You don't know any people. You literally just arrived to Toronto. How did you make 35 grand in sales in three weeks? I was one, really hungry. I had no money because I had given like all my money to live, like to have a place to sleep. For the first month, I didn't get a paycheck because you make all these sales in one month, you get the commission a month later. So I wasn't training a lot of people. So I wasn't getting a big income yet. So I was like literally eating pasta, sauce, and rice every day. That's all I ate because I couldn't afford anything else. How I was getting the sales was I didn't have any friends. I was literally hungry. So I know I had to be at work as much as possible. So I got in the gym every day at 5 a.m. And I left the gym at 10 p.m. every day. And I sat at the front desk or stood at the front desk where all the other trainers were in the staff room. I was at the front. And when every member walked through that front gate, every member all day long, I was just like, hey, I'm, my name's Josh. I'm one of the new personal trainers here. Are you interested in a free personal training consultation? 
And by the end of the day, I had hundreds of names and, and numbers and emails, and I just emailed them all. And I booked them all in for a personal training consultation because this is how the system works. I need to get them in for a consultation. So I get them in for a consultation. Uh, if I have 100 names, I know I'm at least selling 30 to 40 people on personal training just because my ability to flip someone over is like, I'm just so, I just know how to give people results. So I would get them in, I would talk about them, what are their needs, what are their goals. I'd get them out on the gym floor. And I still do the same consultation to this day. And I'm not lying there. So you come in, you see me, and I ask what your goals are, medical history, all that sort of stuff. I get you out on the gym floor. I do a fitness assessment and a movement assessment. I see how you move. I see how fit you are. And then I literally just lay out. You know, if you want to lose 10 pounds or like five pounds of body fat, gain three pounds of muscle, or if you want to, you know, gain 20 pounds on your bench press, then I literally lay out what six months is going to look like. You know, if you want to gain 20 pounds on your bench press, that's going to take at least eight months of training, like minimum, like depending on what level you are. For me personally to gain where I'm at in my journey, for me to gain five pounds on my bench takes me a year because I'm lifting so much already. But well, it depends if someone's a beginner, they're going to maybe gain 50 pounds on their hip, depending where they're at. I know how long it's going to take for someone to get to their goal. So then I map it out and I'm like, you need to, you need to, you need to see me five days a week, depending on your budget, five days a week, you're obviously going to get better results. And at the end of the day, I always get the results they want because I've been now doing this for 16 years. Like I've been in the industry for 16 years. I'm very confident in my skills. I'm very good at what I do, but like back then, you know, I'd still map it out. Like I just mapped it out. And then depending on their budget, whether they could afford it or not. You know, maybe we'd have to scale back a couple of days. Maybe I'd just write them a workout to do on the days they can't see me because they can't pay me. You know, I was 100 bucks an hour back then. Obviously, I'm, it's different now, more than that now. Yeah, it was just pretty simple. Like, you just have to be out there. You have to talk to people. People need to know who you are. People need to know that you're there, that you're available. What are your services? Like, you know, rather than just sitting in the back, waiting for people to come to you, you need to get out there and let people know who you are, what you do. Okay, so I agree with you. You break it down, you show them the results, and you're probably the hardest working person on the floor. So that's how you get your sales and how you, you get started. And then you probably get referrals from friends to friends, from people who are seeing their results. They'll invite friends. That's how you grow. Now, over the past years, how did you become the Nike Master Trainer of Canada? How did that happen? I actually, people ask me this all the time. They're like, how do I become a Nike trainer? Because it looks so prestigious. And like, I want to get the shoes. I want to be that label. And I'm like, first up, you will never be that way because you don't become one. Nike looks for you. If you're looking for something like this as just to like, as a showboating thing, like it'll never happen. I've asked Nike, how do you become one? And at the end of the day, you just have to be pushing the fitness industry in your city. Meaning, I was just a personal trainer until four years ago. And four years ago, I opened up my own gym. Now, as soon as you do something like that, open up your own gym, obviously, brands are going to be like, who's that? What's that place all about? Does that mess with our vibe? Does that mess with our brand? I can, I can train 15 people at once, you know, like as a clientele. That's probably about the capacity of a clientele I can have. Now I own a gym. I can have 300 people 
you know, doing classes. So I have more of a reach of people. And there's only a certain amount of CrossFit gyms, CrossFit style gyms in Toronto. So as soon as that happened, Nike was like, who are these guys? And then they started to check us out. Then they wanted us to do a class for the company. Started chatting to me and then asked if I wanted to apply to become a Nike trainer at the time, not a master trainer. So a Nike trainer. That was how you just have to like be pushing the industry and focus on helping people like as much as you can. Because if you're helping 15 people, how can I help 300 people? Next for me, how can I help 3,000 people? How can I help 30,000 people? Like when you focus on helping people, brands want to connect with you. And the more people you're going to help, the more brands are going to want to be involved with you. And that's literally how I became a Nike trainer. I didn't even know that it existed. I didn't even know Nike trainers were a thing. I remember a year or two before I left my gym, I was wondering, I saw these influences and I never cared about social media. You know, it's, it's a great tool to use, I think, to promote yourself, but I didn't care about posting on it or being professional on it whatsoever. That's changed a lot since being a part of Nike and stuff like that. But I remember all these influencers were getting free shoes and like all this sort of stuff. I was like, oh, that looks cool. I would love to get free shoes one day because I love Nike. I've been obsessed with Nike since I was a kid. But I, I've always been into sneakers. I have like a whole sneaker room upstairs of like shelves of like shoes and shoes. Obviously, I get a lot, but I kind of manifested it. I was like, how do I get brands to want to give me shoes? And then it turned out even better than that. Like not only does Nike give shoes, but they also support me financially. And they've supported me financially through this whole thing that's going on right now. It's honestly, they're an incredible mm-hmm. company and they just care so much about you know the people that... They have their athletes and their trainers. It's just such a good company. So I guess the next question would be about how are you weathering this pandemic and uh, pivoting during COVID? I know the gyms are closed, so you're probably not able to have people work out. What's your strategy? It was pretty tough. It was pretty emotionally at the start to like, you got to think that like, this is our dream. Like this is any personal trainer's dream to open up a gym. And in order to get to that level, like to step up out of that level of just being a personal trainer, I'm not saying just a personal trainer because as, as being a personal trainer, you can impact so many people's lives and really change people's lives for the positive. And that's how I got hooked into doing this. But to get to that next level to owning a gym, you have to invest. Like I invested my life savings into this dream, into this goal. The idea of the start of this, that that dream and that goal taken away from you was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. And it was emotional because like at the beginning, we were like, how do we service our members the best? And that's it wasn't about us, how we feel. It's like, how do we service our members? Because they're the people that pay a membership before all this. They were the people that, you know, created the community that invested in us, invested in our programming, investing in our coaching, like they pay the rent. So at the beginning, we were like, let's just give all of our equipment to the members. So we gave out all of our rowing machines. We gave out all of our bikes. We gave out all the barbells, all the plates, the dumbbells, the bands, like everything. The gym's empty. Like we have nothing. We didn't rent it out. Some gyms I've seen, you know, that you have to pay to get a rowing machine. We gave it to our members for free because what's the best scenario for them? It's not their problem that we have a financial situation. That's an our problem. We wanted to do the best thing for the members. So we gave all the equipment to them. We're very fortunate that a certain percentage of members are still paying their membership, even though 
we're not open to do class. So what could we do for them? We gave them all the equipment. We do Instagram lives sessions every day at 10 a.m., seven days a week. So I'll go on Instagram and I'll do on the Lyft Instagram and I will do live workouts every day. One of the coaches will do it. Then people can follow along at home. We do Zoom classes. The members that are still paying their membership, we do it for them for free every day, twice a day. So we have the morning Zoom, the evening Zoom, and then we have Instagram Live as well too. Uh, and that's kind of like what we're doing as of now to kind of... And we put out surveys to see what else we could be doing. We also do mobility sessions a week on Zoom for members in the morning. So that's pretty much what we're doing to get through. We did actually get the, some government assistance. So seven, we were able to pay our coaches 75% of their salary which was very helpful for a lot of them because we're not making money other than that. You know, like I didn't actually get that 75% because I'm not an employee of Lyft, but and it makes me feel good that Lyft can still pay coaches and like therapists and whatever, because it's just so tough on a lot of people. And as I was lucky enough that Nike has been giving me extra consulting work and stuff, I've been able to make money that way. But that's, that's how we've been getting through at this point in time. That's crazy. Now, in terms of, I guess, going forward with the gyms potentially not opening up until wave three, I think they're saying, and with all the new restrictions, how do you think the industry will look going forward? And how are you guys thinking about moving forward with this climate? It's scary a little bit when you think about it, but I try not to like think about the negatives and think about what can we do rather than like, What's going to happen? Panic. Like, yeah, like so many people are panicking and I don't like that negative emotion in my body more than like, what can we do right now to like better our situation and, and give people a better experience? Like what's the best possible scenario for our members? That's the main thing that we think of. But before all of this, Lyft was thinking about having a second location on the other side of town, on the West End side of town. And we we're already looking on the West End on, you know, Bathurst, Richmond area. We're looking on the north side as well too. One good thing out of this is is made us think differently about you know the direction of the business. And if we open up a lo- another location on the other side of town, I mean, you know, CrossFit gyms specifically aren't terribly expensive, but our CrossFit gym is because we have a fully soundproof floor system that costs you know six figures, and it's not cheap. Just the floor system alone. You know, multiple six figures. I'm not talking about one, 100,000. Like it's, it's up there. So for us to open up a location, it's expensive. It can cost us upwards of like half a million dollars, just one location. Whereas like equipment is, could only be 60,000, you know, so it's expensive. So now I'm like, if I'm to open up a place on the West End side of town, half a million dollars, and I'm only going to have that neighborhood, that's not a smart decision to do. Whereas like if my second, location now is online, maybe I only have to invest a fifth of that money. Maybe you have to invest $50,000 and I have an online location and an online location is global. I could help so many more people globally rather than just the West end of Toronto. You know, like, so it's like we're shifting, like, what does that look like now? What do those programs look like? I'm contacting factories in China to get equipment made. So if you follow along with the Lift at Home program, 
we have a left at home box that has a dumbbell, a barbell, some bands, like whatever that is. Like, I don't know what that looks like. Been doing it for the last like month, like to try and lift that home box and like build that programming. That's for lift. I, I started filming for YouTube personally myself, me and my partner, Jess, my fiance. We started filming for to build our own YouTube channel on Monday. So we just filmed six workouts. We're going to get the revisions of those. And then I want to build a YouTube channel for my brand personally. Then Lyft is going to build a YouTube brand. So there's, there's a whole rollout of what we're going to do to like build those online locations because that's the way of the world right now. And I, I believe that that's going to be the way of the future. It's not going to be, you know, what do they say? Like a concrete location. And I feel like I'm way more passionate about that. I always felt like Lyft was a stepping stone to like, change the world health and fitness wise and change the way that the world views health and fitness because I have a very different view on it. And I do want to impact the world globally. I need to impact locally, which is my city, Toronto, which we've done a really good job of building a community within Toronto and, and impacting the health and fitness scene. Now my next step is global. Like I want to affect the world. I want to change the way the world thinks about health and fitness. Incredible. Okay. Well, first of all, I will join the box once you figure out what it's going to look like because we haven't been able to find any barbells, any weights because they've been sold out everywhere and trying to ship yeah. something if you find it an auction in Vancouver. Have you ever tried to ship a dumbbell from Vancouver? <laughs> it's expensive. That's a part of the lift at home box. Like if I go to look into like, what does it look like? So we're, we're bringing samples of equipment in now from like factories, whether they're in North America factories, China factories in China. And I'm still like, it's pretty difficult to navigate talking to people in China. Language barriers, everything. Like I'm sending I'm multiple hoping. emails to get a different answer, but I'm trying to get the answer, but they... They don't understand you fully. And like, anyway, so I'm still navigating that whole system. It might take six months to get the gear. Like, but then I need to figure out how much shipping costs. Extreme. Like, how does Peloton ship that bike? At the end of the day, Peloton doesn't make any money from their bikes. They ship you that bike and they eat that cost. But then you, you're on a monthly subscription. We're still figuring it out. I don't know what any of this looks like. I'm just like, that's the way my head is going right now. And we're just like, it might take six months, it might take a year, it might take two years. I don't know. I'm working on it. And that's the thing. We didn't actually get a location for two years. We were looking for a gym for two years. Who knows how long it'll take. At the end of the day, I just have a goal. I know what direction we're going and I just got to keep working towards that because the time will come. I just don't know when that time will be. I love it. Okay. Well, hopefully it happens this year. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm always here. If you need any help, I'll try to brainstorm of how you can get those uh, dumbbells into everybody's hands globally without enormous yeah. charges. If I come up with something, I'll let you know. Now, Perfect. mental health and fitness. I know you wrote a book, an ebook on that. Can you share more with us about mental health and fitness and how it, it ties together and your work on it? When was it? About a year and a half ago, I had a bit of a mental breakdown myself, but it was all surrounded. It was circumstantial. It was all surrounded by his friend killing himself in his parents' backyard back home in Australia because he had severe depression. Four years later, it hit me and I had a bit of a mental breakdown myself. And I was like, I just didn't want to work out. I didn't want to eat anything. You know, like I just felt so depressed. At the time, I was like, what can I do to make myself feel better? What can I focus on? And at the end of the day, the two things that I could focus on was movement and what I eat. Because at the end of the day, when you move, when you do any sort of movement, 
it's impossible to not get a dose of positive mental attitude, PMS. It is physically and mentally impossible to not feel amazing after you're somewhat better after you finish a workout. So I was like, every day I'm just going to move. And I started doing that and it helped me get out of like the deep trenches that I was in. It dug me out of that hole. And I was like, now speaking about that ebook that I'll, I'll release at some point when the timing is right. But I wanted to honor my friend's life who did so much for me. And Mark's gay. And he just made me feel so comfortable in the gay community. I'm a straight man. But my gym is one of the gayest gyms in Toronto. I'm proud to say that. I love it. We have a huge LGBT community. We have trans people. We have everything. Like It's like we're just so welcoming and everyone is so welcoming and inclusive of anyone, gender, age, religion, sexuality. No one cares. And I'm so proud of that. But it's, it all marks. Like, and him making me feel comfortable with it at the age of 17, I was like, I had never met a gay person in my life until I met him. And everything that... I have become, he kind of pushed me in that direction, he like to be a better person. So I owe everything to him and I want to honor his life by giving people movement and making them feel better because he made me feel better. He pushed me in this direction of where I am now. And, and yeah, as I said, it's impossible to not feel good after you have hit a workout. It's impossible not to feel good that like it made me feel better, you know? Thank you for sharing about, uh, about Mark, about your friend, obviously appreciate it and i mean sorry to hear about your loss in terms of the health and wellness starts in the kitchen how are you feeding yourself what's your secret i've been in the industry 16 years i've done everything i also have crohn's disease so at the end of the day my health is first and foremost before any bulking diet shredding diet getting lean diet like i've done all of my health is the most important thing to me at this point in my life. I'm 35, I have Crohn's disease, and it's dramatically affected my life. I got diagnosed 10 years ago. So recently, I switched to focusing on the micronutrients that my body needs in order for my organs to function optimally. I want my liver to function optimally. I want my thyroid to function optimally. I want everything just to be functioning at its highest level possible. And that starts with getting the right micronutrients out of nutrition. Everyone focuses on the macronutrients, the proteins, the carbs, and the fats. I'm focusing on, first and foremost, the micronutrients. I want to make sure I'm getting the right vitamins, minerals, everything to make sure that my organs are functioning properly. Because a lot of the time when people do fitness modeling diets or anything like that, they'll eat chicken and broccoli and getting no nutrients in their body. And then their, their thyroid starts not working optimally. Everything just starts crashing. So then they have to take thyroid medications. Everything's like just totally screwed up. My partner, Jess, well, she did fitness modeling and bikini modeling. And her internal organs after those diets were absolute garbage. Garbage when you come out of those diets because you eat telepathically for three months. You're depleting yourself of everything you need. Like, for instance, I'll have two oranges every day because oranges help improve thyroid function. If my thyroid is functioning optimally, I'm going to be a fat-burning machine. I don't need to focus on depleting myself. I need to focus on making my organs work optimally. Every day we have certain things like iodized salt. Salt is one of the best performance supplements you can take, period. It stops you cramping. Like just so many things that it helps with performance. It's what one kind of, of the bigger things. Or Himalayan Pink salt? Pink Himalayan. No, you can actually get salt that says iodized on it. Iodine is the main ingredient that you want. But you can get Pink Himalayan salt has it. Like 
you know, sea salt, all these like good salts are so good for you because, and once again, once when people start dieting, they go from eating like a burritos to pizza diet and then they go on this diet. Now they went from having high salt in their foods to like having no salt in their foods. So your system just shuts down. So it's super important when you're eating healthy to put salt on your food, but like pink Himalayan salt, sea salt, you need it. It's so good for you. And that's the problem where people's organs shut down because they're depleting themselves of these minerals, these essential minerals that you need. Mm. For instance, I eat meat. I actually raised vegetarian for 16 years, but I know that steak is the highest nutrient-dense protein you can eat. You can actually live off steak and perform really, really well. Now, I don't do that. I, I have steak, spinach. I have my oranges. I'm on my salt. I wake up and I have uh, two ounces of natural cranberry juice every morning. Once again, just helps with iodine levels, like all these sort of things you can look up to in, and they help you perform optimally. Now, what's crazy, all of this diet is surrounded around the low FODMAP diet. A low FODMAP, F-O-D, FODMAP, is a diet that is focused around foods that don't bloat. So everything on this chart of low FODMAP doesn't bloat you. So I have Crohn's disease. I'm highly bloated all the time. Now, everything I'm eating doesn't bloat me. So my stomach's feeling great. I eat consistently, first meal at 6 a.m., 10 a.m., 2 p.m., and then 6 p.m. So I only have a 12-hour window of eating. So I actually didn't even know I was doing this till a month in, but I'm actually fasting for 12 hours because I only eat from 6 to 6. So from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., I'm not eating. So my body's getting a break, whereas I used to eat six, seven meals a day right until before I went to bed. So my system was only getting a six-hour break so all these things that I'm doing have just tied into like now I'm like I feel the greatest I've felt in like 12 years. And that's because you're always at home and you can actually perfectly time your meals, prepare them yourself. I mean, Jess will prepare them for you. Walk me through what you eat normally morning, lunch, four meals, snack, and then dinner. Like, for example, on a regular day, what would be the meal plan? So, for instance, this morning I had eggs with rice because rice is an easily digestible carbohydrate. So I don't want to eat like bread or pasta. Brown rice. It doesn't matter. White rice is totally fine. If if you're looking at brown rice to get the nutrients that you'll need, it's very very minute. Actually, the nutrient difference of white and brown rice. And if you're looking at brown rice to get the nutrients that you need, you need you're looking in the wrong spot. It is not the area that you need to get those nutrients that your body needs to function. So white rice is actually completely fine. How many eggs? Uh, Well, me, I have four whole eggs because, and then I eat four egg whites. So I actually eat eggs every morning. Coffee is a double-edged sword. So coffee is is good because you, for a workout, it helps like your brain, like fire up focus and like everything like that. But it actually reduces your HCL levels in your stomach, which is bad for your gut. So I do have coffee. However, it's not the best for you. I have one to two max coffees a day. But if I have any more than that, I'll notice that my stomach doesn't feel good. So I'm very aware and conscious of how my body feels and what I put into it, you know, how it makes it feel. Love it. Okay, lunch. Or do you have any other meals between? Yeah, yeah. So meals can change a bit. I had yesterday. Meal number two was eight ounces of halibut. I had two cups of rice once again. I had two cups of cooked spinach, like sauteed down with red peppers and an orange. Meal number three, I had eight ounces of steak. I actually got New York strip loin. I had kale, like two cups of uh, sauteed kale 
with peppers again and another orange. And then dinner, I had eight ounces of rainbow trout, half a cup of rice, and half a cup of 2% Greek yogurt. Did you have two dinners? Because there was meal three was a strip loin steak and then meal four was a trout. Meal four was a trout. Yeah, I have four meals a day. So when is your number three meal? What time? 2 p.m. It's exactly four hours in between each meal. That is cool. I, I love this. Okay, thank you for sharing. Now, you're the best. I'm going to yeah. try to see if I can follow this. Does Jess follow the same meal plan? It's different. Like You don't want to eat the, like exactly what I'm eating because I'm eating a specific amount of food for my body weight. I'm 221.6 this morning. But Jess is on a similar diet. The main things of this diet is, one, we focus on micronutrients first. I want to figure out what micronutrients my body needs because everyone's different. Everyone's deficient in different nutrients. So what nutrients do I need? What foods have those nutrients? And then I, I lay that as my foundation. And then I figure out the rest, my protein, carbs, and fat. It's very scientific. The whole thing is very, very advanced. Like I eat 2,750 calories a day. Jesse eats 1,500 calories a day, but that's based on one, her basal metabolic rate uh, and her activity level, her age and, and her height as well too. I love this. Thank you for sharing. This is very, very informative. I'm sure listeners will get a lot of value out of this. It's very, very, it's very, it's very scientific. Like at the end of the day, like you don't just jump into this sort of thing before going into this sort of diet. You have to get a lot of data on yourself. So then question would be, how do you get yourself? Like if I'm a person who wants to get a proper meal plan figure out what's important for my body, what nutrients I need, what's my process? Like, do I just, do I go to the doctor? Do I come to you? Who do I go to? You can go to a dietitian, but I would first recommend getting blood work done to see what you're deficient in because everyone goes to taking supplements. Like everyone's like, oh, I take this supplement, that supplement. I take a single supplement. I do not take protein. I do not take a multivitamin. I do not take fish oil. I don't take anything. I just get everything I need from what I eat, period. Because if you're taking creatine, but you already have high levels of creatine, you're just wasting that money. You're pissing it down the toilet. Literally, yeah. <laughs> okay, got it. So get your blood work done, go to the doctor, figure out what you need, and then go from there. No supplements until then. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Now, pivot. Um, first of all, how do you find your inspiration for anything you do? And then books, resources, podcasts that you read, listen to, where do you find your information? Deep in the fitness world, I love researching videos uh, more than anything. I like watching seminars. I'm not a big... A, book reader. I'm not a big podcast listener. I like watching the person speak. So I'll watch two and a half hour seminars of a guy speaking, of a scientist or something like that. And it's just through research. Honestly, the internet is such a great place. It's such a great place to get so much information out of. And you know, I'll look up to some of the strength gurus and who they're listening to. What books are they reading? And I'll find out if that guy has a seminar and I'll just go watch and read that. You know, I work with other personal trainers. We all talk about it. So it's like being in the industry and, you know, the people, some people that I look up to, I have people that I look up to personally, you know, not just like good educators within the industry, but like good people at the end of the day. If it's a guy, like he's a solid husband, he has a good family, he's a successful businessman, but is like a savage in the gym and works out like an animal. It's like an all round person that I look up to, not just like, oh, he's a savage of business, but he, you know, is a terrible human being. I don't like people like that. 
I guess I'll just go on YouTube and start looking information. Now, are you paying for any subscriptions where you find your sources or not really? It's just free information out there. If you want to look up a variation of the diet that I'm on, it's actually a guy called Stan Efforting. Stan Efforting is the world's strongest bodybuilder. He has bodybuilding records and powerlifting records, like world records. But he created a diet. It's called the Vertical Diet, and it's actually his diet that that I'm doing and been following religiously, and it's incredible. So everything I just told you actually is from the Vertical Diet. That's number one. So what I'm doing with that now. For your clients, if they come to you and they say they want to gain muscle, lose weight, obviously it's part of your work to create a routine, but also part for them to obviously eat properly. Now, how do you recommend them what to do? So I wouldn't even get something like this if they were eating garbage every week. The first thing is to get the terrible foods out of your day. If you're eating chocolate bars every day, then this is way too extreme. Like I haven't eaten a bad meal all year, this year, 2020. So that was already a part of me. Like I wasn't eating garbage. Like Jess and I will have treat meals maybe once a month, but I don't eat garbage foods. Like I don't. That's the first step. It's like start cooking your own food. It's a habit-based thing. Like I'm not going to put someone on this extreme diet that I'm on. It's because it's the extreme to the average person. But What's funny is I say this to people all the time is like, your extreme is my normal. Like, this is normal to me. So people are like, you're so extreme. And I'm like, this is my normal. This is what makes me function optimally. And and why would I want anything less than that? Like, I feel great, but I've got to try and break people out of their normal into like a baby step. So it's habit-based training. So it's like, for some people, it might be to like cook their own meal once a day. Once a week might be crazy for someone to cook their own meal. I have clients that just only eat specifically off Uber Eats every meal, seven days a week. Legit. But I've been training this guy for like two years and he just only eats off Uber Eats. Has he had a lot of progress? Is he, is he a famous guy we can look up or no? No, he's a, he's a professional. Uh, he's a working professional. You know, makes great money. He can, you know, order jacobs to his house if he wants to like expensive steaks you know whatever you know like he does well for himself but long long term that doesn't work love it okay well so now that we're on topic of clients question being with nike do you see that you are open to a lot more opportunities having a lot of high caliber clients or in general do you see that now with your status and the work you've done in the industry you're getting a lot more popular in the sphere of celebrities? Because I know on your Instagram, you post Sean Mendes. How is the process for Sean Mendes different than the guy who you're training who is getting Uber Eats all the time? Because you obviously treat them the same and you obviously give them the same amount of workouts and the same amount of attention. Yeah. But do you find that so, now by having Sean Mendes, you have a lot of other celebrities that are joining your circle? And No, I, I wouldn't say necessarily that. Like... I honestly don't even have room to take on more clients. Like my goal was never to like train celebrities or anything like that. I just want to help people. And like at the end of the day, and like I just care almost too much to a fault about my clients. Uh, I'll put them before me. And so Sean was actually a referral, believe it or not. It was a text intro. I didn't even know who Sean Mendez was. I had to Google his name and like the day before he came in. And I was like, oh, damn. Like this guy is someone like crazy, but he was a, he was a referral from uh, one of my other uh, guy friends who I trained. He's a Canadian Olympic snowboarder, Mark McMorris. Mark actually text introed me and him. 
And I was like, oh, I was like, thanks, Mark. You know, who's your buddy, Sean, that's coming into town tomorrow that wants to train? And he's like, oh, Sean Mendez is a good friend of mine. And I was like, who's Sean Mendez? Googled it. Two years later, we're still training with friends. So we have a good relationship. And that's what it, that's why he likes about me is because I don't care about celebrity status or anything like that. I didn't, I didn't know who he was. And he gets treated no different. And he pays the same as everyone else. I don't, I'm not all of a sudden like three times more expensive because it's Sean Mendez. You know, I'm not cheap, but like at the end of the day, like he, he gets treated the same. He's one of the boys and he loves that. Like one of the coolest things he said to me is like, what I love about you, Josh, is like, you don't care about any of that sort of stuff. I'm like, dude, that whole world's fake and it doesn't mean anything to me. He's like, what's crazy is like, I could walk through this gym with Ed Sheeran and you wouldn't know who he is. I'm like, who's Ed Sheeran? <laughs> he laughed and he's like, exactly. That's why I love you. Oh, amazing. So wait, first question. Are you going to be training at Sheeran now? Maybe. Who knows? Whatever. Now, do you make Sean Mendes sing while he is training? <laughs> Absolutely not. What is uh, the biggest lesson you've learned over the past 12 months? Honestly, the biggest lesson that I've learned in the last 12 months, patience. Like, I'm just so impatient. Like, I want everything now. Like, even talk about the left box. I wish I just had it. And, like, it's so frustrating. But, like, I just literally just focus on every day and I'm like, what have I got to do every day? And I have a to-do list that I have to do every day. So I just focus on that. And every day it has something little that will like get me towards my end goal. Okay. So fire round, every guest that comes on the show, what we do is we ask a millennial is, a millennial should be, and a millennial is not. Okay. Are you ready? Ready. Okay. Let's go. A millennial is. I would say someone who grew up through massive technology changes and the way the world does business. like. I remember getting my first Nokia 5110, like phone, and thought it was crazy, like the snake game. I was like, this is nuts. You know, like, <laughs> this is so sick. Now it's so different. Like, iPhones are nuts. Like, I, I think back to, I'm 35 right now. I think back to when I was like 13 or 10. None of that stuff existed. I remember being in high school and like learning how to use the internet. Like, the internet was just new. Like, that's crazy. So, like, a millennial is someone that's like grown up through that and like see the way, like, yeah, the huge changes like within technology. So do you think they're well positioned for this 21st century and technological boom and the 2020 pandemic? Like how does that influence a millennial? Like what skills did we get from being in the technology boom? A lot of millennials have owned businesses like more than our parents and grandparents just because like so much is more available to us than it was them, right? Because of like technology. We weren't really raised in a world of social media and like, you know, this needs that and whatever. Like, I don't know. I just feel like we're someone that's like very business driven. I like it. Business driven. Okay. Now a millennial should be. Excited. There's so much more opportunity like to impact the world globally than our parents and parents were able to. Like, as I just said, it's like, we should be excited. Just even like our grandparents like, back in those days, like to own like the milk store was like crazy. It's like, how do you open up a milk store? How do you open up a business? Like you can literally go on Google and figure out how to open up one of those businesses now. Well, look, there's just so many more conversations you can have worldwide because of Instagram. Well, we knew someone in New York who had the floor system that we needed. So I can just shoot him a message on Instagram and be like, hey, how'd you get that soundproof floor? He emailed us the, the information. Like 100 years ago, you'd have to write some guy over the other side of the world, but you wouldn't even know what he's doing because there's, there was no social media. You know, you should be excited. You can impact the world globally now. 
I love it. And a millennial is not limited. There's so much access like to resources in order to build yourself, like build yourself, build a business spiritually, physically, like we have everything at our fingertips. You just got to go get it. Ah, you are incredible. Well, Thank you very much for coming on and sharing everything with us in this hour. You are fantastic. Thank you for sharing all the good and all the struggles that you've, I guess, weathered over the past couple of months and all the growth tips. Love it. Now, where do our listeners find you? If they want to learn more about you, about the gym, about all the new things coming up on the horizon for you, where did they go? Well, I guess my Instagram, my Instagram is Aussie underscore fit, A-U-S-S-I-A underscore fit. On Instagram and my gym is Lift Corktown. Those are the places I'm at. But I personally am on my Instagram more than anything. My Lift Instagram is like a business, but I run it. Yeah, I'm in both places. And if they want to take a class, Instagram Live is the place they go at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. every day. And then we posted it up on our page through IGTV. Ah, oh, you are the best. Thank you, Josh, for coming on. Thank you. 